This episode is brought to you by the generous patrons who supported us over at patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we want to give a big thank you to our patrons, Kate, Prostaskius, Leroy, Tiana, Jeremy, Jacob, Cheryl, Falangor, Spike, Chris, Konohamaru, Buyag, Starry, Red Dead Coquette, Keith, Logan, Punch and Potato, Jen Solo, Rajar, and Eric. Thank you again for helping us to put a little more inspiration out into the world. And now, on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another resurgent episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. I'm Adam. And I'm happy to be here with you. Yeah, we're back, baby. Yeah, it's been a minute. Oh, and, it has been a minute. And we're glad to to be back and, and spilling nonsense in everybody's ears again. Oh, man. See, y'all out there in, uh, in ear hole land, it's, uh, it's been too long since yeah, what you've have you had guys been nonsense. listening to? NPR? Bunch of audio stuff that's books. like good for you? Self-help nah. nonsense. Self-help. We're here. Well, what's the opposite of self-help? Inspiration point. Inspiration point. <laughs> oh, my God. We won't the, tell you to do anything. And if answer, we do, you won't listen anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. That was... That was perfect. You were on it. What's the opposite of self-help? Inspiration point. Didn't miss a beat, man. Wow. Yeah, Fantastic. you don't help yourself. We help you because we, we know better. <laughs> we Yeah. Yeah, sure. Oh, my God. Not on my best day. Oh, man. <laughs> How you been, my good, good, good buddy? Yeah, I've been uh, been pretty good. Things are going all right. Um, You're coming down to the end of the school year soon, right? Yeah, coming right up to the end uh, after this week. We've got uh, two more, I think, two or three more, something like that. That's that's about uh, it sounds like your schedule might be about the same as um, as my kids. Mm -hmm. They've got I think they've got like two or three. Yeah, and hopefully I'm slightly off schedule for my own children so I can have a week without them during the day. And that would be really nice. Uh, I'll have to double check on that. (laughs) For for any of y'all who don't have kids, I'll tell you what. There are these windows that we parents like to call the golden hours. And that's when a kid is sleeping or otherwise occupied so you don't have to do a darn thing. And I'll tell (laughs) you. They are golden, man. They are all oh, precious. <laughs> precious. It makes you look forward to being old and in retirement, you know, where you just oh man, the only people you have to really worry about are each other, you know, and that's that's kind of nice. And then eventually yeah. only one of you. <laughs> we're just at the we're just at the point where we just have half of that. We're just yeah. old. Yeah, exactly. We just, you know, we're just stuck in the middle. Just you know, working. and it's it's not inspiration point until we gripe about our age, even though we are <laughs> so like true. barely 40. I'll tell you what. How many people do you talk to who are who are older than us? And you mention feeling old and inevitably they give you the 
well, how old are you? And you're like, I, I try 30. to avoid it, but it, people always assume I'm older than I, than I am. Oh man. I have one of those faces. So like people think I'm already in my forties. I just constantly get the, get the whole like, Oh, you're not old. This is, you know, it's the four Yorkshire men, right? right. Well, I, I get the same thing when, when somebody's like, Oh, I'm just getting out of shape, you know, and I need, I need to drop, you know, 10 pounds. And I'm like, Dude, I'm standing right here. Mouth. Are you blind, like, or just insensitive? <laughs> <laughs> you're just sitting there. You're like, <laughs> like, you must just think I'm just disgusting, right? <laughs> That's very frustrating. Oh, man. Could you imagine putting someone in that position? Like, you actually say that to somebody and see, see what they do to get out of that. Because <laughs> when someone... <laughs> Puts baby in a corner like that. <laughs> I like it's fine. It's fine. Like, like I know people are just making conversation. We're, we just make noise at each other so that we can get through passing nearby without seeming yeah. rude. Right. So we just say random stuff. You know, it's like it, it, it's like when the waiter comes by and says, enjoy your meal. And so what do you say? And you too. You too. Right. And, and then you, he walks away. And you're like, I'm in such an idiot i'm an idiot i'm an unkind unthinking person you're at the movies enjoy your movie you too you too oh except you're yeah. you're stuck behind that counter there we all do Ooh, sorry i usually try to save it at the end like you know when you get off or whatever <laughs> i <laughs> it's so feeble <laughs> like, i'll just like, run away eh, and just <laughs> They won't remember to me tomorrow. You just scamper off. Like he really did just, just skitter away. Speaking of which, I was at the movie theater a couple times uh, those last week. There's been some good stuff. Yeah, I did see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume (gasps) 3. And this is not like a review episode because you haven't seen it yet, right? I have have not. I was unable to get a ticket. I'm a bad nerd. Trash. I, I, I literally took a day off work to watch it. Um, Dude. And uh, it was Sounds like it, it was worth it. Yeah, it was really, really good. Uh, I went and saw like, it with uh, my dad and brother. And uh, then the next day, my wife and I went. And uh, it was it was uh, pleasant. And then, you know, I think a lot of people have been complaining about uh, Marvel Phase 4 you know, yeah. I'll, I'll watch a Marvel movie kind of regardless, but like, yeah. you know, I don't think that phase four has been the best. People have been saying that, you know, for a while, you know, the shine is kind of worn off and the, well, it just I, feels like they're not sure what they want to do. Like it feels like it's meandering. Yeah. And it's like throwing darts and going, do you like that? No. Okay. Let's throw another dart. Do you like that? Okay, we'll we'll mark down parts of that that you liked. See, you know? this is this is a part I don't understand. Like I've heard this many many times. Of like this idea that that they're throwing things out there to see kind of what sticks. And I'm like, y'all are like 15 movies in, mm-hmm. and you're still like figuring out the plan. Like that yeah. seems it's it seems weird. a little late for that. I mean, I'm I'm not a movie exec, but 
No. And I mean, like we have to admit that the first one was kind of lightning in a bottle, right? You know, where they were like, okay, at the end of this movie, we're going to give a little hint. We don't actually know if it's going to go anywhere, but we're, we're going to, you know, just throw it out there. And then people are like, oh, that was, I enjoyed that. Where's more of that? And then mm. they're like, well, it's not going to work again, but we're, we're, we'll throw it out there. Right. And then it's like, even in Hulk, that wasn't even good. People were still like, you know what? This is okay. I'll, mm. I'll, I'll go to another one. And I just, I, then after I, that, I, it was a bunch of pretty okay movies. And then I just, it just find worked. it hard to believe that they put these movies out with, with that, uh, that, low a level of confidence that that seems weird to me like i i mean i can't substantiate that at all but, no well you know this much i i do know is that you know when we say they that that's a big thing right there's a lot I, of people I mean, involved like, in that process and Kevin so Feige and um, right or well, however Feige you, like wants to you know he has his vision that he wants to achieve but even he's still beholden to people Right. And he still has to, you know, you know, convince people to try, you know, weird stuff. Um, Never mind that Disney's a publicly traded company. So that's a whole other, you know, can of worms. Yeah. And Disney's also, you know, uh, it's very much willing to bend to the whims of the day. Mm. Right. And so, for instance, you know, we we lost uh um, James Gunn after the second um, Guardians of the Galaxy movie because they essentially lost faith and they said, oh, you had these old tweets from a long time ago that people pointed out on Twitter and so you're not good for our family values image. Right. And then he went and made a stellar movie for DC and then they were, were like, like well. James, baby. <laughs> about that whole we were just kidding thing oh man will you come back and make one more and then you know dc is is picking up james gunn to be their new kevin feige and it's i think he's gonna kill it man i think he's gonna knock it out of the park it's a smart move oh that's for sure it's also a big f you to marvel i think you know um yeah i think arguably its best filmmaker has been lost and when you watch guardians of the galaxy volume three you know uh, at least for me i i came away feeling like i had seen marvel's last great movie and Hmm. you know that's that's a bit hyperbolic and i certainly hope to be wrong sure but we'll see. Yeah. We'll, well see. It's just been kind of disappointing up until now. And, you know, I'm not, I don't hate it as much as a lot of people do. Like some people really hate She-Hulk. Right. And I, I thought it was cute enough. And I, I thought it was, it was fun. I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting, different kind of project. Like, well, you and you t- and I were like Boston legal guys and I watched yeah. Alan afterwards. Yeah. And we so got for a me, soft it, spot for the it, lawyer yeah, show. It did a lot of that. So that was cool. Oh I, man. Could you imagine if Alan Shore cameoed in she, Oh my gosh, I would well, lose my freaking mind. Well, they'd all be like, why is Ultron here? <laughs> I'd be like, thank God. Ultron's here. <laughs> finally it's just Ultron, but he's wearing a suit up. 
You know, he's just wearing a suit and he's like bringing a case before court and just, you know, how freaking good that robot would look in a suit. It'd look amazing. It'd look he amazing. Could fill that out. He'd like work that tie, you know, straighten it up because he doesn't have to worry about breathing. So he could really cinch it up on his neck. Yeah. And he'd just be sitting there like cracking wise. Oh, man. Doing lawyer things and coming up with like instant perfect stats on on the fly. I would watch the bejesus out of that show. I am like now super hyped and on board. I'm like, all right, when's this happening? Okay. Okay. Here's my pitch, right? It's space ghost coast to coast, but with Ultron as a lawyer. Go on. That's it. That's the whole pitch. I'm done. done. I'm sold. My money. Someone give him his dump truck full of money. He needs it right now. He's got, he's got things that need to exist that don't exist. We don't even need to create any new content. We just need someone to clip old, old footage from old movies and oh my god! And the more inconsistent, the better. You just edit. You just put. Ultron, you superimpose him over every episode of Boston Legal. You <laughs> you insert him in place of Alan Shore. Even have him do the same like physical gestures. You just have one of these editing wizards like just plop him in there. No, I I, I want it bad where it's like it's his head <laughs> from the movies on like Macromedia Flash animation oh, characters. Oh, no. <laughs> He's derping around, derping, just bouncing. He's like, he's like one of the weird little jib jab cartoons where his oh, head's yeah. his head's flopping around like a Canadian from South Park, oh, yeah, kind of bobbling. Oh my god! I am Ultra. I am. How did, where did this go? How dare you, Hunch Bricks? Oh my god! Doing a lot of crossovers. Um, okay. Um, so I've I've also been doing uh, another D and D class, so that's been good. And uh, have you really been doing anything new in it? Yeah, I've been really focusing a lot more on characterization and acting, Ooh. and like practicing improv and stuff. Like I've been trying to treat it a little bit more like a theater class. How's that um, been working out? It's actually like. The first day I tried it, it was a disaster. <laughs> Ooh, did go on. See, like, those are the good stories. But like two kids really liked it, right? And so I was like, whatever. I'm just going to do the class for the two of you. And so I was like, I just brought it again and then brought it again. And, br- and now it's like, now I'm getting a lot more out of people. people and that's people been very are just exciting. like, you, you just walk in, you're like, look, this is what it is. So. You, you just got to accept it. And right. once you do that, then we can then we can do stuff because otherwise you're just going to sit there. So this yeah. is what it is. And, you know, it was it was really just a thing where they're they're not used to it. They're nervous. They're self-conscious. And you just have to make him do it. So the first thing I did was just I gave them scripts to read. Hmm. And uh, well, OK, well, the first day it was like full on improv. It was like, here are your characters. Here's the situation. I'm the NPC. Let's talk. Right. And cool. and there's there's literally no rules or anything. Let's just let's just you're at a tavern. 
and you want to get a better price. You know, Outback Steakhouse for D and D. Right. You know, essentially, no rules. So, just right. Just right. <laughs> and caked on flavors for no freaking reason. Um, hey, I, you know, that's fine. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I I wouldn't not eat it. It's just unnecessary amount of spices. Anyway, um, so we did this and it was like, okay. Right. Mm. But a lot of kids were just really like not willing to go there. And so the next day I brought scripts and I had, I had printed out scenes. One of them actually was from Boston legal. All right. Which one? Um, it was the one where, uh, uh, someone from Denny Crane's past comes in to uh, force them to go back through the trial that his father went through. Oh, where, where Denny Crane got the supposed killer off right? Oh, using one of those yeah. like lawyer tricks. And he had like a like TNT strapped to himself. And jeez, yeah, that was a good one. So I, I borrowed a scene from that. Uh, I did the Miracle Max scene from Princess Bride. What was that? <laughs> Miracle was, Max. Is, he's he's the um, he's Billy he's Crystal's Billy character, Crystal, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you got here that's worth coming back for? True love. Uh, true love is the greatest thing in the world, except for a nice. Uh, MLT, a mutton lettuce and tomato sandwich with the mutton's lice and lean and the tomatoes are fresh. It's so perky. I love that. Mmm. Delicious. But that's not what he said. He clearly said to blave. To blave. Which which as everyone knows means to bluff. And so you were playing cards and you got caught bluffing and liar! I can just do the whole thing. (laughs) Clearly. I'm impressed. Um, it's been a minute since I've watched The Princess Bride. I should go back. Oh, I'm I'm very very familiar with that story. Um, let's well, you see. recorded the whole dang thing. Yeah, like I recorded the whole book. thing a few years ago for my dad as a gift to him. Uh, I had done it as a play in high school, and I've watched it a few times since. Obviously, I forced my kids to watch it. Um, now the question is: Has your dad listened to it a second time? He says he he pops it on every now and then. I don't know if he uh, goes cover to cover, but I think he probably just plays his favorite scenes. If it gets the re-listen, that's how you know. That's how you really Yeah. Know. Well, and the other thing I did was the first time he listened to it, I made him sit down and hear the whole thing. And then I recorded his reactions. And then yeah. I made a video out of that. And I and I gave that to all the his former students that had been his drama students. Um, to, and they came back and reprised the roles, right? That's or so played, cool. Or played new roles. And, you know, cause of course I couldn't get back everybody. And he had put the yeah. play on twice. Once when I was a little boy and once when I was in high school myself. Nice. And so I was in both of, both of them. The first one, I was basically Fred Savage's character. Oh, the, okay. The sick kid in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think I was in like third or fourth grade when I did that. And perfect. They're like, well, we need a kid. And and he played grandpa. I so that was nice. Kid. And then in the uh, one where I was in high school, I played Wesley. Nice. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, nepotism. 
Nepotism, <laughs> indeed. Also, the, uh, the rarity of a boy in theater and with the ability to read well. Ooh. Uh, the bar hey. is not high. <laughs> it wasn't a high bar. Um, plus, when I was an underclassman, I, I did my small parts. Um, there you go. So that was I, I, I paid my dues a little bit. Um, anyway, so I'm very familiar with it. Uh, I can't remember what the third scene was. I, I had him do, um, I, but anyway, uh, then, so they got up and they read that and I would try to coach them through it. And some kids just read it with their head down and others would like really, really get into it or just do the character wrong on purpose, which was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Um, it was kind of interesting watching people cold read something that you are familiar with, but they're not. So even hmm. when they're trying it, um, like they're like, Who, who's Miracle Max? I'm like, well, he's an old man. So they're like, OK, so they just did an old man I'm voice. Old so man. it was like Master Roshi was doing <laughs> the Miracle Max scene. Oh, right? my God. Um, anyway, uh, so it was OK. Then I said, OK, for homework, you have to go home. You got to find your own scene and you got to you got to read it. And it doesn't have to be very long. And there's extra credit if you memorize. Okay. And so, so there was that. So I had like two different people do Walter White's, uh, I'm the one that knocks. Oh yeah. Uh, speech because it's not very long. Um, it's a good one too. Yeah. There was, there was a few good ones. I Uh, am the danger. And I, I noticed in that day that there was a, 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 a visible difference, right? Like they were, they were definitely putting more out there. Right. Hmm. And like a few of them were still like hard to reach, but a lot of them were coming around. And so Hmm. that was really good. And then I actually made them watch the princess bride. And I did a pause and play where we talked about characterization and story structure and dialogue and Hmm. how to get all those things. And um, I think it was pretty effective. And uh, I definitely saw some more animation at the tables today when we were just playing. Oh, um, that's good. So yeah, really trying to get them to, to use those acting chops a little bit. And it was fun for me to kind of play acting coach a little bit. Cause I haven't really done theater in since I was in high school. So did you, did you, or have you wound up tying it into the game yet? Yeah, like I mean, are, are they understanding like the the link between the two and like how to, mm-hmm. you know, how to implement what you're teaching them at the game table? You know, I think a lot of that is stuff I try and much more of it will have to come later because it is like I find even most veteran players of Dungeons and Dragons and other role playing games can't do it either. Mm-hmm. Right. Like most players are either very good at the rules or very good at acting. They're very rarely both. Hmm. Right. And even rarer still are players that can link the rules to their like acting connection directly. Right. Hmm. Like, you know, we, we did that whole episode about loving your ones. Right. Oh yeah. Like good players love their ones. Right. And they, when they roll poorly, they, they make it work for them. Yeah. Um, and man, 
I or they probably, make it work for the story. I, I can probably rate. count on one hand the amount of players I've ever had that did that. Huh. Um, and it's it's um, it's tough because when you look at the game rules, they seem to imply that you want to win. You want to optimize, and then you want to win. Well, right? just just by virtue of the fact that it is a game at all, like the idea yep. that you're playing that that there isn't necessarily a at least a technical win condition there's what you might like to have happen and you could call that a win condition but in terms of like everyone at the table is striving to achieve x which equals unequivocal success you know yeah that's it's it's not there and it it is bizarre for a lot of people and and with good reason like i think even like will Wright, uh back in the day the guy who came up with the sims um i feel like i remember uh hearing a story about him like going in and you know pitching the sims and people being like but like how do you win though he's like you don't you just make a person and they just do person stuff for which which you know, shouldn't have been too out of left field. I mean, it thus you know, Sim City had predated it. Yeah. You know? and, and and to be fair, I may also be remembering this completely incorrectly, and it may be a completely <laughs> different person and a completely yeah. different game and a completely different situation. So I may have just fabricated that entire thing. What's interesting thing. Is, is that I find with the with the new generation, they're actually pretty okay with the idea of a game that doesn't have a specific purpose. It um, Because there's more of it. Yeah, because you they're know, used Minecraft, to like Minecraft right? and Goat Simulator and... Roblox, like a lot of kids play Roblox. But uh, you talk I, to people our parents' age, and it's like, you know, hell, that's why, that's why, um, you know, air quotes, Ameritrash, you know, Western game design for the longest mm-hmm. time. When you look at like the old Milton Bradley and Parker Brothers board games and stuff, you look at Monopoly and Sorry and Trouble and all these games, there's very clearly a player structure in the game that you can see where someone is clearly winning and everyone else is trying to beat that person and take the I'm winning spot where you then start looking at Euro games like Catan and um, even uh, ticket to ride is Mm. a, is a Euro style game where these games are designed with a completely different philosophy compared mm-hmm. to American board gamers of the time. Like you're trying to win still, but you don't have to gang up to beat the winner as much. And and you, it's possible it, to like achieve or set different goals for yourself. That's right. Yeah. It's like it's it possible to have to just fun build tracks. even if you're not winning. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you're losing at Monopoly, it's it's miserable. Oh, <laughs> right? I it's hate like, it. I hate at it. At least that's so what I hear. Much. I never lose a Monopoly. <laughs> Nobody ever wants to make deals. It's like, uh, oh, I love making deals, man. Dude, I love it. Um, that's where, ever that's wants where the whole fun it. of the game is. I don't like the die rolling part. Right. And that's why I hate the game, because no one does it. So I don't get to have any freaking fun. 
<laughs> womp womp. Oh, see, like after I played it with with the group a couple of times, they realize what I'm up to, and then they don't want to play with me anymore. See, that's that playing the Game of Thrones board game is like that too. Like <laughs> you, you know, Monopoly is Game of Thrones. Let's face it. <laughs> it, it totally is. All right, pro tip for everyone out there: <laughs> if you play games with the same people on a regular <laughs> basis there is a freaking meta game to that situation my friends mm-hmm. there is a big big meta game because when you start getting into these games that are more cutthroat where there are deals being made and such whatever you do is going to carry over into other games you play very so true if you Put someone over a barrel or just (laughs) really just hose someone really bad or renege on a deal or whatever you do. You do someone dirty, even if you win that game and you might, but they are going to remember that for eternity and it will haunt you. (laughs) So kids, when you're playing the Game of Thrones, think about. The you meta. win or you die. You win or you die. <laughs> but what is winning? See, play, but sometimes play the long it can game, be fun y'all. to be that guy and then to like have everyone be afraid of you and try to gang up on you because then it's even more challenging. Oh, man. I was playing with my buddy once and he was playing the Starks and I was playing the Greyjoys and we literally did wind up being able to bait him into fighting a war down south and i swept up from behind and captured winterfell (laughs) and my buddy turns around who was playing stark and his face was plastered with the biggest grin i've ever seen and he looks at me he goes it's just like the show (laughs) i was like yeah and i took your i took your base and he goes yeah i'm like of course you did that's how you play. He had the he had the best attitude. He was so pumped and just like having a great time with the experience of the game. That is one of the best like well, imagine a Game of Thrones game where you're sitting around and everyone's being cooperative and working for the win-win benefit of each other and everyone comes away from it wealthy. It's like, did you even play Game of Thrones? <laughs> Bro, do you even know like, how to throne? You just missed the point. The The point is misery. Okay. The point is, the point is misery, not success. You guys did great, but you failed to capture the essence. You failed right. in the most important task. Oh, and then man. we brought Westeros into an economic utopia. And... <laughs> All the all the while, George is like, ah, that's not the p-. he's just losing his mind. Exactly. So anyway, that's that's been a lot of fun and uh, been doing well with uh, the patron games. Um, the uh, first one that we started, Wrath of the Scorned, we're uh, coming up into the end here. Ooh, uh, which is exciting. I hope everybody's been enjoying themselves. I've been whenever I see the uh, the discord, which you can jump in by joining our Patreon over at patreon.com slash inspiration point. <laughs> whenever I see the chat talking about that game, 
or the other one for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it is it is a nonstop deluge of just praise and good vibes and man, like just you know, claps for you. That was um, they've they've been extremely well received, and I think you've been doing a a freaking bang up job, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, and I try my best to, to produce something that's, that's good and, uh, and enjoyable. And, and I do take some creative risks, some of which even I'm not sure about. Um, but it seems like people have a good attitude about it. And so they're, they're willing to kind of go there with me and, you know, and and I can usually tell if they're in love with it or not. Have you had any, uh, any of those creative risks that you mentioned that haven't paid off? Well, you know, or, we were doing where this, you were like, Ooh, that was a, that was a bit of a stinker. Like, yeah. I mean, every now and then you get a session that's kind of meh, mm. but like for the most part, they're, they're pretty good or at least they feel nice. necessary. Um, you know, but I, I, I try to keep it exciting and, and interesting from different, angles be that story or gameplay or you know power curve or collection or you know something right especially when you get to know the players a little bit better and you kind of get the sense of what they respond to um you know and you definitely do get that and what they're interested in so do you um, do you have like an idea of what the next campaign is like roughly gonna um no, i don't be i don't around. know yet i don't know yet all i know is that um the players i have are like yeah i'm coming to the next one yeah which is the ultimate victory for me right heck yeah and man so that's that's really good and like, i assume my it's seat. gonna be a pretty different vibe um you know i've had this assassin's guild idea i've been wanting to do Ooh. for a while and i think that could be a lot of fun um, this Greek mm-hmm. fantasy one has been pretty, pretty cool. I kind of got away from it a little bit in this, this last creative effort where the, the party had all died and Ooh. they made a deal with Hades to come back to life and finish the quest. And as you do, and well, the, the big plot twist was that, that, um, Aphrodite, who they thought they were going after the whole time, turned out to be a t- to be Tiamat from the Forgotten ah, Realms universe. And always, it's always freaking Tiamat. It's always, always Tiamat. <laughs> and so you, know, you wouldn't think so you could the, squeeze a big old dragon like that into. So they ended up going to uh, to the abyss, um, where Tiamat had swapped places with uh, with um, Aphrodite. Messed and up. So they've spent the last couple of sessions in in the abyss um, and then like dealing with the blood war and meeting <laughs> devils and bringing an arch devil back to, to life um, and all kinds of fun stuff. But we're going to get out of there pretty soon and we're going to get back to Greece and we're going to be getting back to the main plot. I was going to say, like, man, that's like just a veritable cornucopia of rainbows and unicorns. Good Lord. Yeah, it was just really bizarre. You know, like even I'm like, is this <laughs> is this stupid? Right? Like, is this a dumb idea? <laughs> Let's and take a step back here and <laughs> although I had planned that from the beginning. 
I had planned from not that they would go to the abyss, but I had planned from the beginning that Tiamat and Aphrodite had swapped places. Nice. And the reason that had happened was because Aphrodite wanted to get away from Hephaestus. Mm. Um, so All that hammering gives her a headache. I get it. <laughs> it's just being just bang, a real pain. Bang, just a real bang, pain. bang all the time. Um, and so anyway, there's more fun stuff to do. Awesome. Very <sighs> cool. Yeah. So anyway, um, I know we've been kind of bouncing around it, playing catch up a little bit, but I actually do need your help with something. Oh, um, well, I'll do my best. All right. So for my class, we're doing another week of playing in campaigns. Okay. And I have decided to uh, take the role of GM for one of the tables Ooh, because lucky sitting table. there watching them is kind of boring. Ah. Um, and so, and then it's good to demonstrate the art itself. And so um, anyway, it came up with uh, a pitch and I, and I wanted to do assassins guild. Right. Okay. And, uh, I thought this would be a good way to test it out if I end up doing it for um, an inspiration point campaign. Ooh. You know, let's let's see if we can really make this work with a group of players, right? Because it is a risky thing to to do a group of assassins because you know you're killers. Yeah. So is there are people going to be cooperative enough? You know, or are they just going to be a bunch of like edge lords, and you know, end up well, in PvP and plotting against each other and all I, kinds of stuff, which I, is not what I want to have I, happen. I think it's important. Um, you know, I would say that a a game doing a game like that probably falls into the same sort of neighborhood as like just doing an overall like evil campaign where where it it behooves us as players and gms especially in these cases to have a um a a robust session zero where you really sit down and you go look this is this is the kind of game that we're playing but like in this instance with the assassins guild just because you are assassins does not mean that you or the guild are a bunch of just chaotic killers who, mm-hmm. you know, you're not complete sociopaths who are just running all over the place, bouncing off the walls with sharp objects. Right. Well, and you even know. if you are sociopathic, you know, can we do that in a way that's constructive, like with Dexter? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're you're part of something. A, you're part of a, happen. You're part of a business that yeah. is yeah. trying to collectively work together to achieve a certain purpose. Yeah, it's just that that purpose is uh, effectively and efficiently uh, neutralizing people. <laughs> True, and so yeah, the idea is not that you are a bunch of cold-hearted killers that are just here for the bloodlust, even though that could be a personal thing that you enjoy. Right. It is like you are part of a prestigious elite profession. Yeah. That, that is even well honored by much of the community. Like if you're a member of this, 
that's like a big plus for you, even mm. though there are also those that that don't like it on moral grounds. Right. Yeah. But that would, well, but it's, it's almost more of a minority. And then the other thing is that, yeah, it is a business. And so we're trying to run that. Well, it's like the, it's like the, the idea of a thieves guild. And it's like, yeah. you know, just because you're thieves. Do you think those thieves are like stealing from each other all the time? Or, you know, you'd still have to be wise about picking your targets and like right. choosing who you mess with. It's not just like, oh, you're in a thieves guild. So literally you just go so let's just go steal from everywhere every shopkeeper you go. in town. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. So exactly. we want to we want this to be sustainable and, and viable. And it's also fun to play the sort of miscreant without being literally evil, right? Like we all enjoy Ocean's Eleven. Hell yeah. It's essentially about a bunch of thieves, but we steal from a guy we don't like who has plenty to, to live on. And so it doesn't feel like we're punching down, right? Yeah. He's, you know, the, oh, the dude's a scumbag. So the dude's a scumbag. Cool. Let's get him, you know? And that's really cool. We're bad, um, but he's worse. And so here's the idea. Like for a while, long time, there are these kingdoms and they would go to war when they had disputes. But, you know, war is a, just a, the worst idea. It's right? a it's it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Right. It's very inconvenient. So it's also very, very, very expensive. It is. So instead, um, we have these assassins running around. And they take out high profile targets, right? <laughs> I'm imagining and, them actually just running around like porters. They're just beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> so there like, goes another yeah. assassin. <laughs> Those buggers are all over the place. Yeah. Um, the main thing I need your help with is I've, I have already built myself a small plot, plot structure. Um, I have some ideas about like kind of the world and stuff. What I need is uh, the main place that they're going to go um, to do this quest. And the big villain that they're going to be going up against is a Rakshasa. Oh. Okay. And so um, I need a place, a dungeon, but maybe not exactly a dungeon, a, a destination, you might say. A destination. Maybe even a dangerous destination. A dangerous destination i was wondering if you knew of anything that might help me come up with something like that well as it happens <laughs> i do have a book here oh oh really what's it I called do. i do it, it is called <laughs> it is called dangerous destinations oh wow that's, yes that's Very a pretty good name serendipity Wow. What are the odds? What are the odds indeed? Um, so. So we got about 15 minutes. <laughs> we got about 15 minutes. All right, let's jam. Um, do you need an environment for this as well? Uh, yeah, let's do that. Um, absolutely. I don't know where this is. I just know there's a Rakshasa in it. All right. And, and he's got men and he's okay. probably in disguise. So, so probably people right. don't know he's a demon. Get dice and paper so you can whatever. write write things down. Did you hear that? Those are my dice. I did. I did. And I've got my paper ready to go on the back of my story circle worksheet. 
Beautiful. All right. So we're going to we're going to start with the prelude and we'll try to jam through this pretty fast and we'll see how it goes. Oh, by the way, who wrote this thing? This Dangerous Destinations. Oh, this Dangerous Destinations book. um, I wrote this. Oh, Um, oh, really? Son of a gun. Son of a gun. I I forgot. Um, Yeah, I wrote this. uh, I finished it. I want to say last year. Um, for oh. anyone listening who's not aware, this is a uh, basically it's a big book that helps you come up with dangerous destinations by combining uh, a destination type like a camp or a uh, a military headquarters or a watchtower or something with an environment, one of 12, and then combining it with uh, one of several uh, different types of dangers from, you know, different kinds of monsters to items, magic, stuff like that. Um, And you can roll dice and basically have this thing generate before you right in front of your eyes. Absolutely. Awesome. So uh, that sounds like a good idea. Um, But maybe we would benefit even more from trying it out. Yeah. So. Let's do that. And when we get to the appropriate parts, largely having to do with uh, the Rakshasa, um, we'll just choose the appropriate thing. Okay, sounds good. Because just like in uh, in any good RPG, the rules are kind of more like guidelines. And if you don't want to roll on something, you don't have to. But I encourage it. Because the contradictions are where the fun is. All right. It's also very fun uh, as like a single player thing. Oh, totally. It's uh, it's it's an awesome kind of just creative exercise. And you can actually come up with some pretty funny stuff, too. So um, let's see where this goes. So Sweet. start us off. We're going to start with the prelude. So first we go with theme. So what is the important or overarching theme of this destination? It is likely that the theme is closely tied to the danger, but it could be related to other aspects as well. Let the theme be a guide for your imagination as your dangerous destination takes shape. So if you can give me a D20 roll, we'll see what theme we're working with. Okay. Eight. Eight. Oh, this is starting out on a nice foot. Eight <laughs> is hatred. Pure, okay. pure dislike or a desire to see ill befall something. So, um, yeah, sunny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next we're going to do previous presence. So what, if anything, was found here before your dangerous destination occupied this location? It may have replaced what was there, built over it, or otherwise blotted it from existence. Okay. So, let's do a D20 roll. Can't see. 18. 18. Ooh, a ritual site. This area was used for very special rituals. They need not have been dark rituals. So, could have been good stuff, not necessarily bad. Like a Um, wedding is a good ritual, I guess, depending on your perspective. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Now let's do continued presence. So this is basically 
how much evidence, if any, there is of what of the previous presence now. So, like, if you were to walk there now, are you going to see evidence of these, you know, rituals or people who had been there previously? And that's going to be a D10 roll. Okay. All right. That is a seven. Seven. So, apparent. What was here has been replaced by the destination. However, there is still clear evidence of what was once here. So... Maybe that tells us like this place was used for rituals. Maybe it still is being used for rituals and um, and that sort of thing. Uh, Maybe it's just a little bit different or they've incorporated these elements from what it used to be into how the place is decorated or, you know, anything like that. Got it. Twelve minutes. (laughs) Ah, We can go over. It's fine. Um. (laughs) And I don't mind doing a two part because this is this is always really fun. Um, so next, let's find out what our destination type is going to be. And that's a D12. Uh, that is an 11. Ooh, a small location, a catch all for individual places or structures with a range of miscellaneous purposes. This destination type includes rural and urban options. So that's interesting. And we will flesh that out more when we get there to page 73. So I turn here to page 73, small locations. So let's see what the location type is. Give me a D20. Five. Five. Ooh, a clock tower. Settlement only a tall tower with a device which allows onlookers to see the time clock towers are usually a widely visible point in a settlement. If your setting does not have clockwork technology or a clock tower would not fit for any other reason, use a bell tower instead. Awesome. All right. So then we would get to a table that says rural or settlement. But because our clock tower says settlement only, we just automatically pick that. So it is in some sort of settlement. Now we're going to roll to see how important this clock tower is. Give me a D12. Okay. So this is for how much does this location matter to the surrounding people or area? 12. Vital importance. This location is critically important to the surrounding area, though the degree of its importance may or may not be widely uh, understood by the general populace. So maybe it's super important, but most people don't know how important it is. Just the people who like need to know that sort of very good. Right. All right. So how old is this clock tower? Give me a D12. It's good to get the D12 some you know, love on this. You I know? was I was literally just going to say while designing <laughs> this, I was like, the D12 doesn't get used enough. So I try no. to freaking squeeze that bad boy in anytime I can. <laughs> it's a solid die that needs more love. It really does. I got a six. All right. Ooh, interesting. So the clock tower is recent. This location was established in the past few years. So. 
already we're getting some interesting information here in it's of vital importance. So it's on top super of the critical location. It was recently built and and it just came about very mm-hmm. recently. That's that's cool. All right. Let's see how big it is. D20. This is kind of exciting. I'm getting very intrigued. Okay, 16. Woo, large. This location is larger than many others of its type, but not abnormally so. It might be considered roomy, well-stocked, impressive, or difficult to navigate. So it's bigger than most clock towers, but not like freakishly so. So it's not quite Big Ben, but it's a big freaking tower. But it's a big, big clock tower. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, interesting. I'm getting Ghostbuster vibes a little bit. Ooh. Okay. So this is this is another one of my favorites. Let's see what condition it's in. Give me a D12. Two. <laughs> oh, poor. The location is in rough shape. It may have visible structural issues but none pose immediate danger to life. It may be possible to get this place functioning as intended, but it will take a lot of hard work. It is likely dirty, infested, or otherwise in an undesirable state. That So since it's new, I'm thinking that it's rushed. That it's Uh, like the clock tower's uh, aspect of it is the facade for something underneath that we're really trying to do, right? And so... it's got all kinds of problems and this could actually be really interesting as players have to use uh, the unfinished parts of the tower to like complete little puzzles that like make would... these mechanisms work together because the guy rushed it and it's not ready yet. Oh, um, wow. Okay. So here's, here's something that just occurred to me too. The, the importance bit, was really sticking in my head like like this thing is of critical importance for some reason and i like the idea that maybe somebody got the idea to build this as you know kind of a wild hair sort of inspiration and you know maybe almost like a noah building the ark sort of thing where he knew he had a mission but most of the folks around don't quite get it. And having this dude trying to accomplish this project that he knows is of crucial importance for some reason, but he can't maybe articulate it or or maybe he was just told you need to do this like a freaking solar came down and was like, bro, I don't have much time can't explain it but i need a clock tower like a big one stat i'll be back trust me just try to get it done and then he <laughs> poofs and the guy's like uh uh, uh, uh <laughs> how am i gonna explain this to my wife <laughs> oh my god and like you, you know something like that happens you you can't just like not do it so he's like what if what if he didn't he's not even like a watchmaker or anything he's like a he's like a you know maybe a stone he's a toy maker he's like what what am i supposed to do okay so next table location activity how much use does this location see on a regular basis so this could be interesting d12 seven seven 
So normal, this location sees regular use or traffic for a location of its type. All right, so that's the information that we have on the tower itself. And now we're going to roll to see the environment and the danger. Actually, we don't need to roll on either of these because um, it's a settlement. So that automatically gives us urban. So it's going to be urban environment and the uh, small location danger. This we could go two ways with. The rocks, the Rakshasa is going to be there, and the rocks, Rakshasa, man, that's a fun word to say, um, would qualify as an intelligent monster. However, do you want to automatically use the intelligent monster danger, or do you think the Rakshasa might be on, like, in addition to a, another danger? So I do already have the idea that there the Rakshasa has a secret boss, but every creature involved in this way is intelligent. And in fact, a lot of the enemies that you'll be facing are either like demons or just cultists, right? Humans. Gotcha. Um, so everything you're fighting has a brain. And I think that that's necessary for it to feel like a group of assassins. Um, you have to be able to like outsmart and like predict your prey. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got, um, environmental danger, intelligent monster, and then we've also got humanoids. So humanoids could be, you know, that could be anywhere from like actual humans to goblins to like a bunch of dragonborn, a mixed group, whatever. That's just, they're just, yeah, right now I've, I've told them all that everything is well mixed, right? Okay. Um, both the good guys and bad guys are made up of diverse multiculturalism. Okay. So you want to maybe use humanoids? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Let's do that. All right. So let's go to our urban environment on page one. 70. All right. So the destination's location. Give me a D4. Oh, yeah. We're actually going to use this guy a couple times. All right. Four. Four. Urban center. So the destination is found deep within the urban area, either in or just a short walk from its center or most heavily trafficked portion. So that tracks with how important this thing is. It managed to get built like dead center wherever this is. Um, Give me another D4, and this is going to be for the area condition. Four. Four. Ooh, excellent. The destination's environment is very nice. Roads and walkways are well-maintained. Structures are in good condition, and the place looks clean and tidy. Public safety is not often a concern here, current danger notwithstanding. This might be thanks to the work of vigilant law enforcement, other parties who keep things safe, or an arrangement between certain powerful individuals. So, Hey, when you don't have to pay for giant armies, you can have money for nice streets. (laughs) I think what's intriguing me most is that this clock tower is in rough shape. But everything around it is super duper nice. 
it, it also intrigues me that it's built on top of something else. Yeah. Which makes me feel like the town was originally built around a different concept and that right. the replacements, the thing that's new, but also like rushed or flawed or deliberately dangerous, you know, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Let's see about the area density. So give me a D4. Okay. Three. Three. Snug. The destination is surrounded by several places of note. Its immediate neighbors are close by with little space separating them from one another. There are few, if any, large open spaces nearby unless the destination is on the very edge of the urban area. So that creates an interesting uh, note for not only our clock tower, but also the town itself. You've got a lot of buildings in close proximity to the, to each other and playing a game with a bunch of assassins. You're asking for like rooftop chase scenes, right? Absolutely. That sounds rad. And I mean, jumping from like a tall from the peak of a clock tower onto a bunch of rooftops and doing one of those like sick tuck and rolls. Like, I mean, come on or a superhero no, yeah, landing. It, absolutely. That that's going to feel very assassiny. Yeah. Right. At 100%. In fact, the whole settlement could base basically be a dungeon uh, with the clock tower being the main center, uh, the main centerpiece. Ooh. And so, um, I was thinking because this place is in such good condition and it's so tight and well planned out that maybe it's a thing where the bad guys are secretly in control and nobody really asks questions because things are running so well. Yeah. Um, all, but all there's the, like the, a, all the f- uh, public facing politicians are like behind closed doors are all owned by the mob. Yeah, almost like hot fuzz, right? Where it's yeah, like everything's going well good. because they're all basically in a cult. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, led by the Rakshasa. Led by the Rakshasa, exactly. And I was thinking maybe when the the only way for the party get to get in is during curfew, like there's a strict curfew. Hmm. But the, the secret is, is that like actually being out during curfew is super dangerous. Cause that's where some of the more supernatural creatures are just roaming around the streets mm. and because of some enchantment or something, or even just a law, the, the creatures can't actually disturb homes on the inside. Interesting. Well, we've got a few more tables coming that, yeah. that may hint towards some things. Give me a D 20. We're going to roll on notable environmental features. That is a one. Ooh, demolition. Roll again, ignoring and re-rolling results of one and 20. The destination has whichever feature is rolled nearby, but it is in the process of being demolished. Six. Six. Local shunned. Ooh, that's interesting. A landmark or place of note that locals dislike See as an eyesore or a harbinger of bad luck or reminds the community of something unpleasant and it's being demolished. That's interesting. That's perfect. That's like weirdly appropriate. <laughs> it's like, oh, that thing that's was a really suggestion. bad. Let's blow that bad boy up. All right. 
So next, let's roll on local behavior. It's going to be a D10. What sort of behavior usually takes place in and around our clock tower? All right. Ah, That is a three. Three. (laughs) Fighting in and around the environment of the destination. There's usually violence. There could be a rowdy tavern, a dueling green, underground fight club, or arena nearby, or the locals might simply take their grievances to the streets. So people be fighting around the clock tower. What? I I could almost think that maybe there's a schism between the old guard and the new guard where like the eyesore building is part of the old guard and the um, new tower is part of the new establishment and there, oh, there's still like an yeah. opposition resistance. And so there's like a little bit of faction intrigue that you can use to, to get in or get out or, or ally with or whoever. Right. And that can also create like safe houses for long rests and Ooh. stuff like that. You know what I'm, what I'm thinking is like mm. uh, a situation kind of like gangs of New York. Do you ever see mm-hmm. that? <laughs> yeah. Where you got yep. these guys like, just straight up marching down the street. They've got like banners and stuff. Like I'm imagining this kind of um, like a very <laughs> steampunky kind of environment. Yeah. For some 100%. reason. It's um, just like, I'm literally just going to be Daniel day Lewis. Dan- Daniel day Lewis is going to be my rock Shasa. Oh my with God. A big top Could you hat. imagine a rock big, Shasa? Big that's tiger like, man. Build a butcher. With, oh yeah. my God. With two with two cleavers in his weird thumb hands, and then he's got a freaking top hat, and his fur is brushed into a long, beautiful mustache. This is crazy to me. <laughs> oh my god! Like it's it's very much coming to get. I didn't. I was not expecting to be this intrigued, and now I'm like, I want to watch this like a freaking movie. <laughs> this sounds rad. Okay, Man, so whoever wrote this book was uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, got some skills. All right, let's see. D12 for secrets. What if any secrets are being concealed in the area around the destination? Okay, I got a four. Ah, uh, none. There are no secrets being concealed <laughs> in the area around the day. De- oh, man, I was super excited. Uh, well, you can't win them all. Screw that okay, guy who so wrote we this. We all know what's what going jerk. on. There's no mystery as to what's going on. It's just the opposition <laughs> of whether or not it's going to happen. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so how's the weather been recently? Give me a D8. Okay. Man, there's a lot of detail here. Seven. Set. Ooh. Okay. So this is going to Please tell me rain. This has a question for you. What season is it when, when the PCs would be arriving here? Oh, um, fall fall. Okay. Frost for autumn. There have been extremely low temperatures at night. A layer of frost gathers on the ground and is still present in early morning. Sleeping outside takes a physical toll on anyone not used to or ill-equipped for sleeping in freezing temperatures. So hypothermia is possible. So that's the recent weather. Now give me a D6 
to see what the current weather is. Five. Five. So, same as recent. So, the recent okay. weather is just still ongoing. If you'd rolled six, it would it would have been worse than recent. Two to mm. three would have been mild. And then one would actually be a shift where, like, the weather would have, like, completely changed, like, when they showed up or pretty much. And then you just roll on the recent weather again to see. And then whatever you'd get is what the current weather would be. Sweet. So now let's see. We don't have environmental dangers because the danger we rolled was humanoids. So now we jump over to that. And these go pretty quick, actually. Uh, Where's it? You guys can enjoy the sound of flipping pages. All right. So this is rolling for a group of humanoids. Give me a D20 to figure out what type of group this is. 11. 11. They're actually a group of merchants. Okay. A group of individuals with a shared interest in business and trade, perhaps connected to a larger merchant's guild. All right. Okay. And they live here or they're like the centerpiece? They're, they're, they are in this small location. Why they're there? That's up to you. Although we've got some more, some more tables here that might give us more hints. Okay. Okay. I'm already thinking like the cover story is this clock tower is like, (laughs) this is like new business versus old tradition. Right. That's a, that's, that's a good idea. That's a very good idea. Let's see how big the group is. So other than the leadership, how, so which might be the Rakshasa other than the leadership, how many members make up the group? Note the number of individuals rolled on this table may factor into roles on the group leadership table, which comes a little later. So give me a D 10. Okay. Uh, nine. Nine large. This group is made up of 1D12 plus 20 individuals. All right. Three. So 23. 23 individuals plus the leadership. And then, ooh, this this will give us some interesting information. Give me a D10. And this is going to be for group locality. How many of the group, if any... Are from the area in or around the destination. Okay, nine. Nine. So they're actually mostly non-locals. Over half the group are not from the area in or around the destination. So they came from somewhere else. Maybe a little bit of outsourcing going on. And then we get to group leadership. So give me a D10. Sorry, writing. All right, D10. If you ever need me to, like, slow down or stop, let me know. One. One. An informal leader. There is no formal leader, but there is one individual that the rest seem to look up to, admire, or trust. That's also interesting. Mm-hmm. So, let's so see. That, that's probably our guy. 
Right. That's probably We're, our guy. We are a group of free merchants that are here together for the benefit of the common people. It just so happens that everybody listens to Tim. <laughs> just so happens. So let's find out what Tim's strengths are. Give me a D12 roll. Okay. One. One. Smart. The leader possesses great wisdom learned from their peers, observations, and life experiences. So he's a sharp, sharp dude. Now, let's see about the leader's weaknesses. Give me a D20 roll. Four. Controlling. The leader overmanages the group and needs to know everything about everything. That's particularly interesting given that he's not a formal leader. Like he doesn't have any actual like formal clout, but he's still like somehow managing to like micromanage all these people. (laughs) It's just somebody's mom. She's just (laughs) super. Oh my God, please. Can it be? (laughs) She just shakes her finger at people. Gives them their ears. That's like in her stat block is the look. It recharges <laughs> on a D6 roll of five to plus, six, right? Plus 20 intimidate. Oh, my mom look. It to- make that make it. So <laughs> do that. It's just all right. Now, let's see. What's the you tell her? No, I'm not going over there. <laughs> this and we're going to find out if they do that, because the next the next table is for group attitude. How what is the general attitude or demeanor of the group? Give me a D10. <laughs> OK, eight, eight rebellious. The group is dissatisfied with their leadership or current situation. They okay. they're getting ticked off that they're, they're like we're just this is just this is just Tim's mom like w- we don't have to listen to her Tim's like no huh yeah we do no man Boys, screw you guys <laughs> <laughs> all right group loyalty give me a d10 what unites the members ten. of the group ten region most or all of the group is from a certain place which could be a specific place like a city or neighborhood, or it could be a general area like a country or a kingdom. So they are, their loyalty is to a region that that's interesting. Given that they are at this yeah, clock tower, maybe working on this thing and it's somehow maybe for the good of, of a region, you know, for some reason, the fact that there's a clock tower is giving me like these kind of Majora's mask vibes where maybe the clock tower is like this sort of doomsday clock where mm-hmm. it, you know, it's almost more like a Mayan calendar where it's like we're not just telling the time, but we're we're telling you how many days are left until the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, these guys are there somehow thinking they're doing whatever they're doing, maybe sabotaging the clock tower or whatever for the good of the, for the good of the people, you know, they just, they don't know what's good for them. We're smarter than they are. Um, Absolutely. Tim's mom knows what's up and she's like, you get out there and you mess up that clock tower, young man. And all your little friends, they're all a bunch of like newsies. (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're like you know you know little um 
uh, Dickensian street urchins with their <laughs> with their hats and newspapers. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Call to go. Mess up this extra, clock tower. Extra. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Loyalty extent. How loyal are the group to their leaders? Give me a D twenty. Okay, that is a 17. 17, devoted. The members of the group are very dedicated, and few would consider turning their backs on it. There are, there may be one or two who are not so committed, but they know better than to make that obvious to the leadership. All right. Non-group local familiarity. So how familiar are the locals in the area with the group and their activities? Give me a D8. Three. Three. So familiar. Most locals are familiar with the group and know a fair amount of general information about them, but nothing the group expressly tries to keep secret. The locals are relatively ambivalent towards the group. Yep. All right. Group complications. What else is going on within the group? Give me a D20. 20. Ooh. Stolen group item or items. Something belonging to the entire group has been stolen. Group members may or may not have their suspicions as to who the thief is, either inside or outside the group. And then, ooh, that's that that adds some spice to the to the dish. I like that. Absolutely, because there's something immediately we can get. Like here's a side quest item or something. Yeah. It's like, hey, we need to get this. Exactly. And, you know, that could even be both groups, right? In order to finish the clock tower project, we need the thing. In order to stop the clock tower project, we need the thing. Or, right? or we and, need to make sure they don't have the thing. Right? Or that they don't have yeah. the thing, right? We have the MacGuffin that we're playing football with Ooh, or whatever. There you go. And that that also, again, reminds me of, of Gangs of New York because this this is very much like nativists yeah, versus yeah. like newcomers. You know, we have both our our uh, Italians and Irish in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now I know which accents to use. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay, so now we have our last table, which is going to be situational influence. What is currently influencing the group's situation? Note the situational influence result should be used as a seed to aid in creating the group's motivations. Use the role result from the table below in tandem with some or all of the following to better ground this group of humanoids in your world campaign or current story. So the the theme role result from the prelude chapter, their current or past player character goals, actions or backstory, current antagonist goals, so on and so on. So try to use it to spice things up. So give me a D10. Okay. Give me just a moment. Okay. One. One. So the, the group is looking for someone. And give me a D12 and we'll see who that someone might be. Uh, Ten. <laughs> a traitor. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, my God. That... Man, that got serious real fast. Somebody <laughs> is screwed. Oh, maybe that traitor is a contact for the party, right? Because yeah, they're going yeah, up absolutely. against these people. So the turncoat is somebody that that the PCs are 
getting it's involved mom's with ex-husband oh no it's jeff <laughs> it's jeff no oh no <laughs> and that that's that's the whole thing that was oh, the whole man. builder and that's and that is plenty to work with. Yeah. That what do you that think? definitely gives me a ton of stuff. And it and it actually managed to be very much on theme. Yeah. Which is really cool. Like when I said like Assassin's Guild and then we came up with Clock Tower. Yeah. I was like, this is rigged. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It which certainly was not. Yeah. So well done. That was fun. That and was that gives fun. me a lot to work with. And, you know, it forces me into a level of detail that I would often consider superfluous, but it really does add a lot of good flavor and things to discover as we go through. It's not just we need to get in, kill the target and get out. There's going to be complications. Things aren't going to happen right with the plan. Other conditions are happening in the area. Right. There are side quest opportunities that we can take or ignore. And if we ignore, maybe there's consequences. If we take them, there's consequences. I, right. There's, I, there's I also like the happen. fact that, you know, a, a lot of the roles, the, the picture that this ultimately started painting really also suggests that there are, that there are some larger interests at play and that yeah. there are, you know, it's not just one person doing a thing. It's like you can see that this creates a plot that has tendrils going out in a lot of different directions and that it it can have kind of far reaching impacts. And I I dig that. I agree. And and that's really fun. I had actually planned for the big like plot twist to be that uh, the main leader of the Assassin's Guild actually uses the guild and its focus on murder in order to further the interests of demonic um, entities hmm. and that it will ultimately be up to the players to decide, is this just about us having a good excuse to murder things or is there a purpose here that's that's beyond the the joy of murder, right? Like, is there we do this so that we kill fewer people in the, the long run. The or, joy of murder. <laughs> or is this like, you know, a thing about justice, some higher ideal, or are we literally just feeding the beast? You know, I, part of me actually wonders if it might even be more interesting if, if it wasn't in service to demons, if it was actually in service to something that, most folks would agree is like kind of objectively good, but maybe it's just being opposed by some people with their own interests. And this person is just maybe going further than most people Mm. would. So it's like they're, they're trying to do a good thing in in a a bad way. Collective good versus individual good. Right. Right. And that's something that could that could matter. Right. Because I I feel like having it be demons or being a cult and all that stuff, you know, that's it's very well trod ground. And also, you know, you could imagine some players maybe even like trying to predict and having it Mm. be something that's actually maybe a bit more benign. And it's like, wow, Mm -hmm. you're doing all this for that. But they just mm-hmm. have these deep 
personal convictions where right. they're like, well, it matters to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, then they get that, that fun interaction of trying to talk to that NPC and going, look, you know, you have to think beyond yourself. And it, you know, it's a simple enough idea where you could imagine most players understanding that concept and being able to go like, like, look, I know this matters a lot for you, but like you're you're hurting a lot of people and you have to think beyond outside of yourself and like what does this mean for the for the world if around you? If you want to make an omelet, you gotta break you gotta a few break eggs. some eggs. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool, man. Well, thank you a lot. You're and that's welcome. a good suggestion, by the way. I'll probably take that. Beautiful. Um so that is great. Um I I'm much more excited about what I'm going to be doing. I'm excited to hear about it. Like it's, I'm very intrigued. I'd, I'd watch this TV show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if Daniel day Lewis is in oh it. Oh my get God. Him out of retirement. That guy, he is a <laughs> national treasure. I mean, it doesn't he, isn't that always how he takes apart? Like, I feel like he started in the business. There will be blood. And my wife was like, can you please turn it off? This is freaking me out. (laughs) He's like super. I drink your milkshake. Like, (laughs) oh, man, he is intense. And by the way, uh, I often show my government class, the film Lincoln. Mm. um, And he's, of course, plays Lincoln in that. And he is phenomenal. Oh, um, yeah. Just really amazing. Another good acting movie to watch is uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Uh-huh. Oh, man. He, the, the, especially the scene where Alec Baldwin comes in and he's basically the guy from Corp. Have you ever seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? I haven't seen it. No, you should watch it. We when we uh, when I was in school in Schaumburg. Uh, and I was still an animation major. That was the movie that our um, acting for animation teacher had us watch in class. Um, oh, cool. And oh, man, always be closing. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers. Oh, I, I've seen that scene. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, that scene. I, yeah. Yep. 100%. Yeah. Coffee's for closers. Coffee's for closers. First. Yep. First prize is a Mercedes. Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third, Third prize, prize, you're fired. fired. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! Right? Yeah, oh, that's a good one. So good. Um, really, really enjoy that. And, and then he he basically re- reprises that character for Boss Baby. Yeah, <laughs> and he says cookies are for closers. Cookies are for closers. He's done that bit on SNL, and he's come oh, in yeah. and. And basically, like, chewed out the elves for not working hard (laughs) enough, meeting their toy quotas and stuff. Oh, man. (laughs) Put that eggnog down. Hot chocolates for closers. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, You think we should wrap this up? Yeah, I think we should. All right, everybody. We were thrilled to be back again. We uh, thank you for your patience. We had a, or I in particular had a lot of work stuff going on, some conferences uh, or rather a conference I had to go to. Um, So we appreciate you guys bearing with us. Um, You know, this sort of thing tends to happen a few times a year. So 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. And again, I say a thank you. And <laughs> if you like the show and you'd like to support us, please, at the very least, tell your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to share things that you love. And if you would like to throw a little bit of cash our way, we would really appreciate it. And you can do so over at patreon.com slash inspiration point. And that is also how you can potentially get yourself in on an Adam power game. Those patron games we were talking about earlier. That's how you do it. And any level you uh, jump in at gets you access to our private uh, patron discord channel where we, chat about game design can offer campaign advice and uh you know share cat pictures it's great it's awesome <laughs> that's the main that, thing uh, i mean everybody knows everybody <laughs> so all that being said um also if you'd like to check out dangerous destinations if this was fun if you think that this book could be of use to you head on over to nordgamesllc.com and you can get yourself the pdf or physical copy of this book, uh, as well as its uh, precursor, Spectacular Settlements. Order them both, put them on your coffee table, and watch your coffee table break, because it will. (laughs) (laughs) And having gotten all that out of the way, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. We love you all, and we will talk to you again next time. And until then, stay inspired. Bye! Goodbye.